Hey everyone, want to welcome you to the first ever episode of the Horror Lab Podcast, where we dissect the best in horror movies each and every week. I'm your host, Will, and I'm excited to be with you for the next little bit. This podcast is about six, maybe seven months in the making, lots of planning and prepping, a ton of movie watching, and now I'm excited for our launch. A little bit about me, I grew up a movie buff. I love every kind of movie, every genre, and there are a few things that are more relaxing than coming home after a long day or a long week, sitting on the couch, throwing on a movie, and just relaxing. Even more than that, I grew up loving horror movies. There's something special about sitting in a dark room, blinds or curtains drawn, sound up, movie on, maybe a thunderstorm in the background. I love it. It's one of my favorite things. Now, I know some of you may love sort of new school horror. I actually love old school horror. For me, the sweet spot is somewhere between uh, the 60s and the 90s. Um, And even though there are a few new school movies that have made my top 25 that I really love, uh, for me, there's just something special about that 30 or 40 year period uh, as horror was sort of coming into its own. Listen, I know horror movies are not everyone's cup of tea. I get it. It can be a little bit of a niche genre. But what excites me about the Horror Lab is exploring horror as a unique medium to communicate and think through a variety of deep themes. Now, don't get me wrong. There are a ton of horror movies that are just fun to watch. You throw them on, 90 minutes, you're done. You don't ever have to think about it again. But for me, some of the best horror movies are those that sort of explore these deep themes and ideas. And I'm super excited for us to dive in together week after week. My brother, who will join me at some point in the near future as a co-host, he's also a horror movie fan and maybe even a bigger horror movie fan than I am. He commented recently in a text, he said, horror movies force us to look at things we would normally turn away from. You know, the more I think about it, the more I understand his point. Some of the best horror movies explore deep themes like grief and trauma, broken relationships, anger, and more. And let's be honest... As we endure the things in our own life, we we try to avoid some of those things. They make us uncomfortable. They make us uneasy. They make us uncertain. But to sit down and watch a horror movie, especially some of the best ones out there, it sort of makes us a captive audience to what's on the screen and we're, we're forced to wrestle with and consider and think through. And so I want us to explore week after week what those themes are, what we can take away from the movie, uh, maybe some things that we hadn't thought of going into it couple things to expect from the Horror Lab podcast as we get rolling here. You can expect that weekly episodes will release on Mondays. And those episodes will generally be solo hosted. You'll hear me a lot. But I've actually got some guests lined up, some really interesting guests uh, lined up to explore, discuss a movie that they especially enjoy. And then eventually, I mentioned it before, it'll be a co-hosted show. My brother will join us uh, in the coming weeks and months. We'll still do interviews and we'll still explore uh, with a third guest, but for the most part, it'll be myself and then myself and my brother. Something interesting about the Horror Lad podcast, we will not be a scene or do a scene-by-scene recap of a movie. We're sort of coming into this with two uh, assumptions. The first is that if you're listening to a horror movie podcast, that you like horror movies and you've probably seen the movie we're discussing. But if not... Our preference, my preference, is that you simply hit pause on the episode, go watch the movie, and then jump back in to the episode. 
I think it'll make the the discussion, the exploration of the movie a little bit more meaningful, uh, have you having watched it and, and sort of taken it in on your own. Even though we won't do a scene by scene, this is what happened and then this is what happened, episodes will include a general summary of the movie. And then from there, we'll explore themes, ideas. Uh, I'll talk through uh, some of the, the nuances of the movie and we'll sort of go from there. As I were getting started with this first episode, I had some thoughts. Do I just jump into a movie and we just start exploring or what do I do? And so uh, I sat down, put pen to paper, actually I sat with my keyboard, put my hands on the keyboard, and uh, I thought we would do what I'm calling the Horror Lab Podcast Episode Zero. And so for this, what we're going to do is for the next little bit, we're going to explore my top 25 horror movies. Now, you can find my top 25 list on Letterboxd. Uh, just search for Horror Lab Pod, and it should pop up. Click the list, and all 25 movies will pop up right there. I'll be honest with you. It's probably very likely that my list will change. Even in just the past few months, from when I first made my list, some movies uh, have moved up in the list, some have moved down, some have moved into the top 25, and still others have moved completely out. And so what you have in front of you today, what we'll talk about today, may not actually be there in the weeks or the months ahead. The list will sort of change, it'll evolve, and it'll update as, as often as it needs to. All right, so we're going to jump in. We're going to start with numbers 25 through 21. My number 25 horror movie is The Descent. Produced in 2005, directed by Neil Marshall, it's actually one of the few horror movies my wife enjoys, and that's mostly because the main cast are a bunch of kick-ass women who are struggling to survive after a collapse in a newly discovered cave system. The stressful, tense situation pits them against the clock, pits them against each other, and unbeknownst to them for a little while, it pits them against some cave monsters. Listen, if you struggle with claustrophobia, if you're afraid of the dark, this movie is not for you. But if you love a tense movie that starts out with the, the tension amped up at 10 from the start all the way through the very end, The Descent is a must-watch. Number 24, Psycho. Produced in 1960 and directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Listen, I'm not sure what I can say about Psycho that hasn't already been said. There's probably tens of thousands of pages of articles, reviews that are already out there that could recap the movie. Something I appreciate about Psycho, it's a classic, a true classic of the genre. And at the time that it was released, it was both shocking and groundbreaking. Every so often, a horror movie comes along that redefines the genre and even creates new subgenres. And truly, Psycho was ahead of its time. It was one of the first horror movies to use a, a twist ending to its biggest and best potential. It's a masterpiece. Number 23. The Believers, produced in 1987 and directed by John Schlesinger. It's a different kind of horror movie. This one is a little more atmospheric than scary. There's not a, a ton of jump scares in this one. Uh, mostly, The Believers plays on your fear of the unknown, especially since its premise is centered on a lesser-known religion, Santeria and Brujeria, white magic and black magic. Listen, this movie was a true tour de force. Martin Sheen in the lead role, but... And I'll say this, you'll see, you'll hear me say this particular uh, actor character steals the show. The Believers, Jimmy Smith's 
steals the show as Detective Lopez. Every scene he's in, you're drawn to the screen. Your the tension is ratcheted up when he's on the screen. Uh, well worth the the two hours to watch it. Number twenty two, A Nightmare on Elm Street, produced in nineteen eighty four, directed by Wes Craven. Obviously, this is a classic in the slasher genre. And though it came out several years after Friday the 13th, which was released in 1980, and Halloween in 1978, Nightmare on Elm Street was sort of a unique twist on the slasher uh, genre. If Friday the 13th made you afraid to go to summer camp, and Halloween made you afraid of the boogeyman, A Nightmare on Elm Street made you terrified to go to sleep at night. Which is one of those things that we all have to do. And so... It's well worth the, the 90 minutes, 100 minutes that it takes, an hour and 40 minutes it takes to watch it from start to finish. A unique sort of interesting concept uh, on the, the slasher serial killer genre. Uh, just a, a quick spoiler alert if you've never seen it. Uh, in one of the most memorable death scenes in movie history, you can watch a young Johnny Depp get turned into a human milkshake after getting sucked into his bed. Well worth the time. Just a, a great movie. It obviously spawned a ton of sequels um, and, and a ton of knockoff slasher movies. Uh, Freddy Krueger is a classic movie villain. So, Number 21, Fright Night. Produced in 1985 and directed by Tom Holland. Not that Tom Holland. Fright Night is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. It's classic in the vampire genre. It's a fun sort of dark Dark comedy has a dark comedy feel to it. Uh, this was actually a re released a few years before The Lost Boys in 1987. Fright Night follows a uh, character, uh, Charlie Brewster, in his quest uh, to sort of slay his neighbor, who he is convinced is a creature of the night. Much like The Believers, where Jimmy Smith steals the show as Detective Lopez, uh, in Fright Night, Roddy McDowell steals the show as Peter Vincent. Vampire Slayer. Some terrific, uh, just sort of combat scenes. I don't know that combat's the right word. Just tense confrontation scenes between uh, Charlie and his neighbor, between Charlie, Peter Vincent, and his neighbor. Uh, and the, the sort of climax of the movie is just, it, it's, it's terrific. Fright Night 1985, well worth your time. Number 20, The Ring, 2002 directed by Gore Verbinski, uh, truly one of the first movies that actually scared me. At, at the time that it was released, I was 17, 18 years old, uh, maybe a little bit too old to be scared by a horror movie like this. Um, but I'll say that the, the movie actually scared me because of the surprise ending. It, it was an ending that was unexpected at the time. It sort of caught you off guard. Um, and I remember sitting in the theater, watching that ending, uh, sort of crawling back in my seat a little bit. I could feel my shoulders pressed into the back of my seat. Lots of movies have riffed on the, the sort of deadly VHS, deadly cassette, deadly film motif, uh, but The Ring was super effective at what was then a, a pretty new concept. Um, well worth the time. Uh, give, it a, give it a watch. Stick with it all the way to that, that closing scene. Those last five minutes makes it all worth it. Number 19, the Serpent and the Rainbow, released in 1988, directed by Wes Craven. Uh, this one is similar in its, in its uniqueness to The Believers. Uh, Serpent and the Rainbow stars a young Bill Pullman on the hunt in Haiti for a potion that makes zombies. 
listen, this is an unsettling movie from start to finish. It's uh, it's a movie that makes you cringe a little bit at different points in good ways. Um, and much like the believers that dealt with uh, Santeria and Brujeria, black magic, white magic, um, the Serpent and the Rainbow brings voodoo to the forefront. It does a fantastic job. Bill Pullman is convincing as a scientist, a skeptic who's trying to figure out his way. Take some time. Give it a watch. It's well worth it. Number 18, Sinister, 2012, directed by Scott Derrickson. Sinister combines the best of the found footage genre with the ring to bring a tense and sinister, pun intended, movie to viewers. Ethan Hawke is his best as a skittish, trying to recapture the magic of his first best-selling true crime novel, Novelist. He knows he's onto something big. He has no idea what's in store for him. Sinister is probably my second favorite, obviously. Uh, I, I find The Ring that sort of uh, deadly film, deadly VHS motif. I think The Ring does it effectively. Uh, I really liked Sinister in the way that they... Uh, took a unique sort of twist and angle to that idea. Um, didn't care much for the re- for the sequel, which came out a few years later, uh, but definitely Sinister, the first one, is, is, is worth watching. Number 17, The Shining. Released in 1980, directed by Stanley Kubrick. This is another movie like Psycho that has spurred a thousand reviews, likely millions of words, and, believe it or not, even a few conspiracy theories. Did you hear about the supposed connection between The Shining and the moon landing hoax? It's a rabbit hole, guys. Do a deep dive, you may never come out. Slightly different interpretation of Stephen King's classic novel, which is the source material. The Shining is a descent into madness, which, frankly, Jack Nicholson plays to perfection. The star, though, isn't Jack Nicholson, even though he's in the lead role. It's Shelley Duvall as Wendy Torrance. And I'm sad that she doesn't get enough credit for being that glue that holds this movie together. But her acting in this movie is fantastic. She should have won an Oscar. She should have swept in all the awards. Um, You know, it's interesting. Stephen King is notorious for not having appreciated uh, Stanley Kubrick's interpretation of The Shining. And uh, he much prefers the remake that was made uh, back in the early 2000s. To this version. Um, but this one is what started it all. So Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, uh, terrific movie, polarizing movie. Give it a watch. Number 16, Dawn of the Dead, released in 1978, directed by George A. Romero. Now, I actually just watched this one uh, yesterday. I hadn't watched it in years and years. And as I was putting my, my list together, I thought, you know, it'd be a good idea for me to watch it, see where I can place it. Um, so I have it as number 16. This one is a true classic of the, of the zombie genre. In fact, it's a direct sequel to Night of the Living Dead, which George A. Romero had released in the 60s. Dawn of the Dead is both uh, maybe a horror movie and sort of the scathing commentary on capitalism. Uh, something I really appreciate, Dawn of the Dead doesn't hide its practical effects and gore under dim lighting or the cover of night. Listen, this movie was made 45 years ago now. The effects are a little dated. The practical effects are a little out of, out of touch for what we have nowadays. Um, but nearly 50 years later, it's still a terrific movie. It's still a fun ride, and it's still worth watching. 
Top 15. Number 15. Funny Games. Released in 1997. Directed by Michael Haneke. Listen, this is maybe one of the scariest movies that I've watched in recent memory. And it's not because it's a horror movie. There are no jump scares. There are no dark corners to be afraid of. There are no monsters. Unless you consider human beings sometimes fit that bill. This movie is purely nihilistic. It's a terrifying approach to the home invasion genre. And frankly, it's a movie that leaves you feeling guilty and empty when you're done. There, there, you watch this movie and there is no part of you that is satisfied with watching it. It, it sort of actually maybe even leaves you feeling a little dirty. And here's the thing. The characters know it. Because one of the most interesting parts of Funny Games is that several times in the movie, the characters break what we call the fourth wall to bring the audience into their sadistic games and make you an accomplice to what's happening on screen. Number 14, The Exorcist 3. Released in 1990, directed by William Peter Blatty. This is also one of my favorite horror movies. Now, something interesting. The Exorcist 3, obviously, The Exorcist 1 was released in 1973. Exorcist 3 is released in 1990. That means there's an Exorcist 2, but truly, The Exorcist 2 is not a great movie. It was sort of a cash grab to, to capitalize on uh, just the, the response, the, the release of The Exorcist, the original one. Uh, Exorcist 3 is actually the direct sequel to The Exorcist. Um, and both books, both Exorcist 1 and 3, were written by William Peter Blatty, who directed The Exorcist 3. Now, the book version, which is obviously the source material for the movie, doesn't go by the name Exorcist 3. It actually goes by the name Legion. So uh, just if you're interested in, in you, you're someone who likes to read uh Legion is a terrific book. It's what this movie is based on. I mentioned this is one of my favorite horror movies. Uh, listen, classic movie in the sense that George C. Scott is just magnificent. He's magnificent as Lieutenant Kinderman uh, trying to solve a series of copycat murders. It seems like the Gemini killer is on the loose, except the Gemini killer was killed years before the events of The Exorcist 3. So he's trying to figure out what's going on. Like a lot of movies on my list, this is an atmospheric horror movie. The Exorcist 3 has an especially harrowing scene, though. And it's a scene that, no matter who's watched it, they always comment, this was the scene that was the creepiest. If you've seen it, you know the one. A nurse walking out of a patient room, being chased by... You just gotta watch it. Number 13, The Witch. Released in 2015... Directed by Robert Eggers. I'll be honest, this one took me a few watches before it really stuck. The atmosphere, the lighting, the dialogue. They combined to bring an utterly hopeless look into colonial America and the scary rigidity of its Christianity. Anya Taylor-Joy, in her sort of movie, movie debut, she does a terrific job in the lead role as a teenage girl who falls victim to the witch. The horror in this one's a little hard to describe for me. It's more a sort of an existential dread that sort of pervades from start to finish. Um, also, I'll be honest, religious horror, out of all of the subgenres within, within horror movies, religious horror to me is by far the scariest. And The Witch has a ton of it. 
So give it a watch. Well worth it. The Witch 2015. Number 12. And this one I want to talk about for a minute. Number 12. The Blackwell Ghost series. Produced starting in 2017 and actually ongoing right now. They just uh, just watched, or I just watched, uh, Blackwell Ghost number 7. Uh, all the movies are directed by Turner Clay. He actually stars as the main character in all of the movies. Um, just finished watching the most recent installment. And, and I've got to say, it's been a really fun ride to this point. Each of the movies is between an hour and an hour and 15 minutes. They're not very long, uh, but they are super engaging. They capture your attention from the start. Turner Clay has this, this personality about him that's uh, super friendly. You feel like uh, you're, you're having a conversation with a friend, someone you know really well. Um, something interesting, for a good minute or two, more than a minute or two, I was convinced the movies were documentaries. It's that convincing. After a little research, it dawned on me that it was just really good filmmaking. The Blackwell Ghost series can be divided into two sort of distinct segments. Uh, Blackwell Ghost 1 and 2 are a single unit. So those two movies uh, are a unit. And then uh, Blackwell Ghost 3 through 7 are a unit. So those five movies are a unit. Um, I would recommend watching from the beginning um, just so that you have familiarity with the background story, the, the first two movies do pop up here and there uh, as the other movies go on. Um, but just enjoy the ride. At this point, they there's enough material probably to produce another two or three movies. So I'm hoping that he turns it into a 10-movie series. It may actually move up uh, in my list. This is one of those movies, a uh, series that is most likely to move up in my list from 12, potentially into the top 10. So... Number 11, The Conjuring, 2013, directed by James Wan. I'll admit it, for a long time, I had lost hope for horror movies. It felt like there was a, like a legitimate sinkhole of poorly made, easily forgotten scary movies with maybe the occasional diamond in the rough mixed in. The Conjuring, at least for me, reminded me of what I appreciated about the genre. Tense creepy like legitimately creepy especially the third act uh, the conjuring felt like a throwback at times a commercial and critical success it spawned an entire conjuring universe uh, including two additional conjuring movies uh, i wouldn't call them sequels they're sort of their own uh, story but there is a conjuring 2 and a conjuring 3 uh, the nun annabelle series all came from this uh conjuring uh story sort of sort of storyline um Terrific movie. Again, that third act is well worth uh, the time uh, that you would spend watching it. All right, guys. We're about to hit my top ten. These ten movies are likely to change place depending on when I watch a movie. Some of them may move up and down. I feel really solid about this top ten, okay? Here goes. Number ten, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Released in 2005, directed by Scott Derrickson. I'll just give you two words to start. Barn scene. The Exorcism of Emily Rose is one of the gems of the mid-2000s. And it's a retelling of the absolutely terrifying real-life exorcism of Annalise Michelle. Listen, if you've never listened to the story, if you don't know anything about that story, hit pause 
when we get to, to that movie. And if you're unfamiliar with the story, I'll recommend that you listen to the Lights Out podcast. Give him a listen. He does a terrific job of recounting the story with actual audio of the exorcisms. All right, back to the movie. Jennifer Carpenter is creepy in the title role. The scenes where she contorts her body, she was actually contorting her body. There was no practical effects. There were no wires. It's unsettling. The movie also stars Laura Linney, Tom Wilkinson. Listen, it's an all-star cast. Terrific and creepy movie. Give it a watch. Number nine, Misery. Released in 1990, directed by Rob Reiner, starring James Caan and an Oscar-winning Kathy Bates. Oh, and I forgot. It also stars a sledgehammer. The source material by Stephen King is equally as unnerving and anxiety-inducing. From the start, this movie starts at 10 and ends at 12, okay? And I will tell you, nothing, and I mean nothing, can prepare you for the most famous scene in the movie. Again, James Caan, a terrifying Kathy Bates, and a sledgehammer between them. Well worth it. Number eight, Jacob's Ladder. Released in 1990, directed by Adrian Lin. For me, this one's sort of a, like a hidden gem of sorts. Uh, Jacob's Ladder is a genuinely sad movie to me. Uh, with, a surpri- with maybe an unsurprising uh, but effective twist ending. There's a part of you that feels like you know what's coming. Um, but you're just you're sad when it gets there. A young Tim Robbins plays a Vietnam vet who is wounded in combat. And upon returning home, tries to rebuild his life after the loss of his son and divorce uh, from his wife, all the while he's struggling with uh, what seem to be PTSD symptoms, uh, flashbacks. He's struggling to sort of make sense of what's going on around him. Uh, It's a movie, really, that sticks with you long after the end credits roll. Uh, It also stars a small, interestingly enough, a small pre-Home Alone role for Macaulay Culkin. Jacob's Ladder. Number seven. St. Maud, released in 2019 and directed by Rose Glass. This is probably the most recent entry in my top 25. St. Maud is another atmospheric, unsettling portrayal of religious fanaticism. Uh, There's metaphors for guilt and shame and loneliness and the despair that uh, those things can lead to. I'll be honest, St. Maud leaves you feeling hopeless. It's one of those movies that's deep, it's dark, There's not a whole lot of light at the end of the tunnel. In fact, you're in a tunnel the entire time from start to finish. And listen, if the first 84 minutes weren't enough, the literal last two seconds of the movie will be burned into your mind. Number six. The Thing. 1982, directed by John Carpenter. You know those movies that you can watch just about any time, anywhere? For me... One of those movies is The Thing. Stars Kurt Russell, Wilford Brimley, Keith David, all starring as researchers who discover an alien ship buried and uncovered deep in the Antarctic ice. Listen, I've seen this movie dozens of times. And to this day, I'm still not sure who The Thing actually is. Much like St. Maud, I'll say this. There's no happy ending. There's no neat bow at the end. The movie is tense through and through. Um, but it is, it's just a fantastic movie. Uh, John Carpenter was obviously at the top of his game. He had a, a bunch of hits back to back to back. Halloween, The Fog, The Thing, just 
At that point, he was just rolling. All right, guys. Into my top five. I'll give you five through two, and then we'll pause for number one. Number five, The Sixth Sense. Released in 1999, directed by M. Night Shyamalan. If I could describe, or if I had to describe The Sixth Sense in one word, it would just be this. Beautiful. It's just a beautiful movie. The horror elements are used masterfully to convey themes of grief and trauma and relational brokenness. Look, we all know the twist ending by now, but The Sixth Sense is far more than that. If it's been a while, and for me, I, I, we recently watched it a couple months back. It had been years since we had seen it. It's well worth a rewatch. And if I could say this too, Tony Collette is scene-stealing. Should have won an Oscar. This movie should have swept a bunch of Oscars. It is a beautifully crafted film with a, with a deep message uh, attached to it. Number four. And the subject of an upcoming episode, Halloween, released in 1978 and directed by John Carpenter. This movie is the movie that spawned a thousand knockoffs and at least 11 sequels. Scream Queen Jamie Lee Curtis makes her debut as Laurie Strode, a high school senior terrorized by masked murderer Michael Myers. You guys know it well. The piano theme music, the mask, the slow walk, this movie is iconic. Number three, Hereditary. Released in 2017, directed by Ari Aster. Again, I'll, I'll be honest about this one. The first time I watched it, I was distracted. I was up and around doing a bunch of things, catching a little bit of the movie here and there. And I'll be honest, I didn't get it. I missed most of the movie only to pay attention in the last 30 minutes, that last act. Uh, and I was completely lost. I didn't quite appreciate it the first go-round. Since then, and, and especially in recent months, I've seen it a few more times and have really grown, uh, not just to appreciate it, but to love it. Um, again, much like The Sixth Sense, Hereditary stars uh, Tony Collette. And guys, she is giving a masterclass in acting. This one is deeply unsettling, I'll warn you. Hereditary deals with a lot of deep themes. Generational trauma, depression, uh, suicide, and more. Super unsettling. This one isn't for the faint of heart. Um, oh, and if, if that weren't scary enough, Hereditary is wrapped up in religious horror. So be forewarned, if you've not seen this one, um, it is well worth the time to, to sit there uh, in a dark room with the sound up. It's as much an auditory movie as it is a visual uh, movie, but... Just, just keep in mind, it's a, it's a little bit of a tough one. Number two, Seven. Released in 1995, directed by David Fincher. All right, so maybe this one doesn't qualify as a horror movie. I'll, I'll concede that. But Seven is a horrifying movie from start to finish. Lots of movies are tense and anxiety-inducing, sure, but Seven leaves you feeling this deep existential dread. By the time you're done, you're just not sure what to do with what you've watched. Movie stars an all-star cast. Brad Pitt pulls his weight as the new-to-the-city detective thrust into a serial killer investigation alongside soon-to-be-retired detective Morgan Freeman. Uh, Kevin Spacey is excellent as John Doe. Gwyneth Paltrow is tragic as, as Brad Pitt's wife. One question for you. What's in the box? A whole mess of horrible stuff. 
All right, guys. We've covered 25 through 2. And a drum roll for the top scary movie of all time. The movie that I consider to be the scariest ever made. The one that sort of kickstarted my love for the genre. The one that intrigued me while horrifying me, leaving me speechless, but also giving me a thousand words all at the same time. Top scary movie is The Exorcist, released in 1973 and directed by William Friedkin. Guys, The Exorcist is widely considered one of the scariest movies of all time. And for a lot of folks, it's often regarded as the scariest movie of all time. The Exorcist changed the stigma surrounding horror movies. It inaugurated sort of this new discussion about what horror movies could be and what they could communicate. And, and make no mistake, The Exorcist really does communicate a message. When it was released, there were reports of folks passing out, vomiting in the theater. And while it may have initially gotten a box office boost solely on the, on the media hype, it quickly became obvious that The Exorcist was just a flat-out terrific movie. What makes this movie so scary? Lots of things. But especially the fact that it's both visual and audio horror. You can close your eyes and you can turn away from the screen, but unless you plug your ears, there's not much you can do to get away from it. Some interesting facts about The Exorcist, and we'll do a deep dive in the weeks ahead. The Exorcist was the first horror movie to be nominated for Best Picture. In fact, The Exorcist had 10 total nominations. And if I'm being honest, Ellen Burstyn and Jason Miller should have won for their respective roles, hands down. Jason Miller steals every scene that he is in as the, the dark, sort of brooding, tragic uh, father, Damien Karras. The Exorcist is the highest grossing horror movie of all time, and with good reason. It was a game changer. A genre-defining movie at a time when horror was an afterthought, and actors and actresses that appeared in horror movies were on the sort of tail end of their career. The Exorcist sort of reinvigorated the genre and elevated it to what it would become in the decades ahead. Let's also be honest. The Exorcist spurred dozens, if not hundreds, of possession movies. Some were effective, like The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Most were not. In fact, most were just forgettable, low-budget flicks that really were just knockoffs and just out there. They say that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And let's, let's be fair. Every possession movie falls far short and just serves to remind you of the brilliance and horror of The Exorcist. Guys, that's my list. 25 through 1. We made it through. Like I said, this list is absolutely destined to change at some point as new horror movies come out. There were a couple of movies that were sort of on the fringe of my list, like uh, Barbarian, which was just recently released. Uh, Friday the 13th was in and out at one point. Um, I've moved movies in and out pretty frequently, so... There's a good chance that this list will not be the same uh, in the weeks ahead as it is right now. What's your top 25? Think about it. Which movies scare you? Which movies leave you feeling unsettled? Which ones do you love to watch? These movies, they can have a long-lasting impact. They stick with us long after the credits roll and after the, the movie's over. What are yours? Guys, it's been great to have you join us. I love that we're 
taken this trip together, this journey together through these different movies. Uh, the next two episodes, I actually have some guests lined up that'll join us just to discuss Halloween, 1978, John Carpenter, and a movie that's actually not on my list, which is It Follows. It was released in 2013 or 14. So we'll talk through those. We'll explore some themes. Guys, I'm glad you're along with us for the ride. Just a reminder, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Be sure to leave a review and also leave us a five-star review. It'll make it easier for folks to find us as they search. You can follow us on Facebook at Horror Lab Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Horror Lab Pod. On Instagram at Horror Lab Pod. And you can email us at HorrorLabPod at gmail.com. If you have movie suggestions, if you have ideas, if you want to share your list, that's the place to do it. Guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. 